The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, so Lesson 10 from Confession to Consolation. You know, I I found this interesting. uh, Daniel 9, verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. What a beautiful prayer on the part of Daniel. Yeah, prayer, plea, uh, and implication all rolling into one there, right? It is. And uh, it's a critical juncture in salvation history. Daniel has been in Babylon for uh, almost 70 years. And so he recognizes that something very significant is is on the cusp. You know, and, and this is leading us. It's a springboard from last week. Uh, we were looking at the 2300-day prophecy, and Daniel's still not understanding. Mm-hmm. And so he's pleading, God, what does this mean? What does this mean? And it's a, it's a great uh, encouragement to all of us as well. We don't understand. Call out to God. Cry out to him. Yeah. You know, one of the great things is, you know, just because someone is a prophet of God, in this case, Daniel, who knew and walked with God very clearly, uh, yet his own understanding of how God was working and interacting with him, it's it's still it's still growing and maturing. And so he's interacting with God, uh, pleading with God for both understanding and for consideration of God's people. Yeah. You know, speaking of understanding, uh, Sunday's lesson is the centrality of God's word. In Daniel 9, verse 1 and 2, uh, it, it shares with us a little bit. And then there's a question we have to ask. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asherah, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books of the number of the years specified by the, by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And so the question is, what book or books of the Bible did he mean? Well, that's a great question, uh, uh, Buster. As we're looking at this particular passage, I think it's important. There's a very clear reference, first of all, to the writings of Jeremiah, but the other books of the Old Testament. So it's both referring to a specific prophecy as well as the collective word of God in the Old Testament, those writings up until that point that had been received as revelation from God. And I really love is that in the midst of questioning and and maybe some searching that's going on on the part of Daniel, what he turns to is the word of God. Uh, So when we, in times of uncertainty, uh, the place to find refuge and guidance is God's word. Yeah. You know, and it's such a huge prophecy, as we mentioned earlier, uh, and by the way, we're we're looking forward uh, to some huge prophecies ourselves, right? We're looking forward to the second coming. Yeah. And so one of the best ways to turn to, best places to turn to is actually the word of God ourselves. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's it's going to be our sure safety. You know, there's so many different biblical references in the Psalms. It talks about God's word being a light to our path. Yes, sir. Psalm 119, 105. And uh, in the, again, uh, God's word sheds light. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes we want the big prophecies, but there's promises, there's uh, wisdom, there's so many things the Word of God does to actually uh, speak into our lives. 
it would be interesting to kind of put ourselves into a little bit of uh, Daniel's shoes to imagine being there, having gone through all the experiences we've talked about through the Sabbath school quarterly and seeing God intervene, God working with heathen pagan kings that really had pretty big egos and yet uh, and God rescued him in the lion's den, all of these different things. And yet uh, Daniel did not have a complete picture of how everything was going to work out. And yet um, in the midst of that uncertainty, uh, here he is searching, some heart searching and uh, wrestling with the word of God. Yeah. You know, and, and I love that because the word of God is fresh. It is it is real. It is it is uh, it's breathable, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's actually moving in our lives. And we always we have to look at life and actually put the puzzle pieces together and search the scriptures for ourselves to, yeah. to know what it says. Timothy describes the word of God as living and breathing as like a two edged sword. This yes, sort sir. of these you know, and it's like a dynamic process. I like how you brought that yeah, out. Yeah, he, Hebrews four twelve talks about that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so as we look at that, and he's he's looking at that, he's he's praying about it, he's wrestling with it, and then it says here in Monday's lesson that he has an appeal to grace. Uh, on what basis does Daniel make his plea for mercy? This is Daniel uh, 9, verses 3 through 19. And don't worry, those readers, uh, those hearers, we're not going to read this entire thing to you. But if you have a chance, please go back and read this scripture for yourself. Because to me, it's one of the most beautiful prayers in, in the Bible. It is. Uh there's a number of different prayers recorded. I think just the first verse uh, kind of sets the tone so you can kind of catch it a little bit. Uh, and it says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And it says, I prayed to the Lord my God. And it goes on to describe his actual prayer. But but Daniel's serious. You know, he, this is something that not only did he uh, pray publicly, and which ended up being the pretext or justification for his enemies to throw him in the lion's den. But but this kind of shows you some insight into the kind of prayer life that he actually had. It wasn't just a public demonstration to uh, uh, some kind of show. This no. is actually very tangible and very heartfelt as he is um, expressing to God his earnest wish and concern that that's weighing on his heart yeah you know you you see this uh thank you for being that michael uh we see this earnest plea of of of, but there's confession Mm -hmm. you know we have sinned we have not obeyed your voice we have not followed what you've asked us to do Mm -hmm. and then there's this this thing of saying god we want to though right he's he's bringing them into to it saying god we want to follow you i'm so glad glad you brought that up because you know it's so easy, you know. I've got two young kids, and when and I love them both. But sometimes, uh, when something goes wrong, it's very easy to point the finger, right? Oh and, yes. Uh, I guess I, I can remember being a sibling to myself, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's easy to to cast the blame at somebody else's fault for whatever the challenge is. And and what strikes me, as you just mentioned, as really mature um, as a person and especially spiritual maturity is is he's not pointing the finger it's some you know it's our ancestors it's the all these other people's fault um, he puts himself right in the midst of of that prayer um, with this this word we right at the beginning um, we have done this and we need um, God's mercy in the midst of that so that sense of self-identifying not casting blame but recognizing hey i'm a part of this yeah you know and I, i'm so glad you brought that up because 
you dare bring up the R word, responsibility, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, this is tying a little bit into Tuesday's lesson, but he himself wasn't, he was one that walked with God. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all sinners. Daniel was not perfect. Uh, I get it. But at the same time, he was not the cause for them being led into captivity. Not but specifically. Yet, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. He was part of the collective, but he mm-hmm. shouldered this and said, God, we have sinned. He's pleading out for his people mm-hmm. and he's saying, God, forgive us. He's, he's making it inclusive. And uh, sometimes I, I look at our church or whatever church you belong to. Uh, sometimes we say, oh, the church is doing this. Well, you belong to the church. Mm-hmm. We belong to the church. Yeah. So therefore, we need to be doing things together in unity to try to, to help the bride of Christ. Yeah. It's easy to cast stones, you know, when you look around. and and But then there's a sense of humility to recognize that if... God has worked with each of us. God has worked with me despite my own failings and shortcomings. It makes me start to realize that uh, and, uh, to be a little bit more humble and gracious to those with whom I worship and share church from Sabbath to Sabbath, that uh, we're all in this together. And uh, rather than cast blame, uh, the reason why my church isn't XYZ and you fill in the blank, realizing that, well, instead of casting blame of taking a little bit of that responsibility and asking instead, you know, Lord, and maybe praying in our hearts saying, Lord, what are you calling me to do differently um, so that I can uh, somehow be a part of the solution and not the, the not the problem? You know, uh, that element that you're talking about there, Michael, yeah. is the element that I found the hardest in pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. which is the willingness to change. The ability to change, uh, the willingness to be teachable, mm-hmm. and and to accept whatever it is the Lord's sharing with us, and say, God, I'm willing to change. Yeah, you know, and I sometimes wonder if when we see something else in another church member or somebody else, whatever the situation may be, uh, sometimes I'm starting to see this more and more that, but maybe God is talking in our own hearts to say, yeah. hey, maybe there's something in you. That uh, if it bothers you so much about somebody else, that maybe God's trying to to do that good work in 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 our in my own individual life, and to realize, hey, uh, God, what are you challenging me? Um, how do you want me to live my life differently um, as we each grow day by day to be more like Jesus? Yeah, this is, this is the the speck plank syndrome, right? Isn't it? I yeah. see a speck in your eye, but I have a <laughs> plank of my own, and I I want to point out your speck and and hit you over the head with it, but. God is saying there's something blaring in your own eye that I need you to take care of. Yeah, and this just um, points back to being teachable, but also the sense of humility that that uh, we are in this together. Yes, yes, and that and that's beautiful as we as we're continuing on mm-hmm. in Daniel nine eighteen and nineteen. It says, "What are the reasons does Daniel give uh, for the Lord to answer his prayer?" And it simply says this in Daniel nine eighteen and 19. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name, which is this is all God's. It belongs to God. Mm-hmm. So we're just giving it back to you. We're giving honor back to God. We're, 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 we're worshiping him, right? Yeah. You know, I, I like this because uh, this particular passage reinforces a very clear understanding of salvation and righteousness by faith. It, we're not saved by our goodness. It's not our good works that draws God's attention to us. 
but really at the end of the day, it says this. It says, we are saved by your great mercy. Amen. It reminds me of Lamentations, right? Morning mm-hmm. by morning, your, mm-hmm. your mercies are new. New every morning. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I love it. Uh, some other, I just want to point one more thing out. It go says, ahead. it's called by your name. It's God's reputation that's on the line here, you know, and it's God's character at the very beginning of time that Satan has challenged, said, you're not really a, a truly loving and, and gracious God. Uh, and yet, uh, and, and so Daniel, he's not worried about himself. And even more important than even the reputation of his people, what he's really concerned about is God's reputation is at stake through all of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh which, which leads us to uh, uh, Tuesday's lesson is talking about the value of intercession. And we talked about the value of we, of including ourselves, because yeah. sometimes it's so easy to pray the prayer and, and uh, to be like the, the publican or, or the tax collector and publican who are actually in the temple in Luke 18 and saying, Lord, uh, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. But the other prayer was, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this man that's a sinner, all these different things. It's so easy to pray that prayer, mm-hmm. but God is actually wanting us to take responsibility for our brothers. And so when you failed, we mm-hmm. fail, right? Yeah. I, and so we're in this together. And what value do you see in intercession, Michael? Well, I think several things, but uh, and as we've already started talking about this a little bit, about this self-identification and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, when we are in the midst of putting ourselves in that uh, that corporate sense of we and we're praying for that, uh, hopefully we begin to put ourselves in the shoes of other people. We yeah. often don't realize the experiences that they have been through. Maybe it's the hurts that they have experienced, the pain. Uh, sometimes there's a lot more in terms of the circumstances in which people, they may react a certain way to you and if you understood their background, it might suddenly make a lot more sense how that they um, are reacting or responding to you. So you may see them in a particular situation, not recognizing all of the baggage and everything else. Um, and I, I think that's beautiful because intercess- intercessory prayer, when, when people are doing that, um, God's trying to get us out of ourselves and our selfish mode of always focused about me, 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 to think about others. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a good, I think, spiritual discipline that we actually pray for those uh, people that are around us. And I should add that it's easy to pray for people that we like. It is. It you is. know, I you know, I walk in and I think you know, I, I pray for pray for you, Buster. That's easy for me to do because we're good friends. We teach together. We're colleagues. Um, but what about that person that annoys us? Ooh. That's tough. You need to actually pray for them. Yeah. Romans 12, you know, pray for those who are persecuting you. You're right. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. But you also see this element that even as you're doing this, you're, it's as if you're heaping coals of, uh, uh, coals upon their head, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, killing them with kindness, but you're exactly right. This is the ministry that Christ has placed within us. And I, and I, I want to throw a disclaimer out there. This is something that Dr. Campbell is not just speaking into a microphone. Uh, we have a book club here on campus as well. And one of the first books that Dr. Campbell recommended that we read together, it didn't come from me, those faculty that are listening as well. <laughs> it was a book by, by Calvin Rock, uh, Progress and Protest. Mm-hmm. It's about the history of the African-Americans uh, in this uh, Adventist church and how they were treated in the past mm-hmm. and how they should be currently treated. Uh, and this is someone I know that has empathy 
for not only his own race or his own people, but he recognizes we're all in this together. And yeah. so this is someone that actually walks the walk. Well, you're, you're very kind, Buster. You know, I, I think at the innermost core of our beings, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we're, we're all sinners and we're selfish. And, um, you know, one of our next books in our book club, since you mentioned it, is called, um, uh, the, the title is basically an anti-racist, but one of the, how do you recognize uh, within yourself our own human nature, our tendency to to want to hang out and with people that are just like us, including skin tone and stuff like that, that that racial or shall I say that tendency towards racism is is deeply embedded within our human nature because of our sinfulness and um, our natural tendency is we all of us uh, whether we want to acknowledge it or not in all cultures across different uh, cultures and different places struggle with these deep inward um, you know uh, it, it's really sinfulness but but racism um, that's just one example since you, since you mentioned mentioned it I'm not perfect in this regard but I want to surrender my heart to God and say, Lord, uh, what is it that we can look around us to those, uh, whoever they may be, um, on the margins of society? Um, and, you know, right now uh, we're having a lot of racial tension in the world with the Middle East, uh, Middle Easterners. Um, uh, it could be any different, uh, a number yes. of different groups. But instead of just saying they, that's them to self-identify and say that's we yeah. and to look at those who may be right under our nose and not even recognize that we have to put ourselves in those people's shoes and and ask God to repent of of that sinfulness uh, of superiority and, and smug satisfaction to somehow think in any way that we're better than and, and any other fellow human being. You know, does it tie in any beautiful in this that You've done it one of the least of these, my brethren. Mm-hmm. You've done it unto me. This yeah. is what Christ did when he lived on this earth. It's what he's calling us to do yeah, and, and strive to do better each and yeah. every day. So I'd like to challenge our listeners. Think of the people that who the person who annoys you the most. <laughs> you know, maybe it's at work or at church or somewhere else. And to think in this next coming week about how God may be convicting your heart to reach out and Incidentally, some of the people that I found that maybe at certain points we were kind of not clicking, not getting along, and maybe even some tension, um, the Holy Spirit could use those as opportunities to grow closer to that person. And maybe some of your deepest and most meaningful friendships could be with some of those people right now that you might consider to be um, in, in tension or maybe even some kind of antagonism with. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful challenge, and I accept that challenge. I hope you accept it as well. Yeah. So, so speaking about the work of Christ, there towards the end of Daniel uh, chapter uh, chapter nine, verse twenty one through twenty seven, it talks a little bit about this this one who is cut off and who is. Uh, it, it talks about this seventy week prophecy and talks about this time frame in there, and this is actually called the work of the Messiah. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, this is great because we've been looking at Bible prophecy, and last week we were looking at really the 2300 days and years and the successive kingdoms, but but this prophecy that takes place, and now we have a specific subset, specific time period within that, and it's saying 70 weeks, and so 
70 weeks is uh, times seven is 490. So we have yes. a very specific Bible prophecy that is described for us here. Okay. And and specifically, talk, they're talking about the, the work of the Messiah. And it talks about here some, some things that are mentioned to finish the transgression. Uh, and it talks about the Hebrew word here is pesha, mm-hmm. which is talking about willful violations of an inferior against a superior. Right, so we see here the the makings of what Christ is going to do to to make an end of sins and all these different things that that the work of Christ was going to do, and we see the cumulation of it here uh, and and here's predicted so many years before previous. Yeah. Well, you know, now that you mention it in Daniel chapter nine here, verses twenty one to twenty seven, it it there are described characteristics such as you mentioned to finish the transgression, uh, to make an end of sin. Uh, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness. These are, dem- are, are clear markers that only can be fulfilled through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, and through his death on Calvary. So we have a clear description for us of the work of Jesus, of the Messiah, that will come to basically put an end to sin. And so this sacrifice, all of the things that point forward to Jesus and his death on Calvary are foretold in Bible prophecy. Yeah, and and it leads perfectly into Thursday's lesson was talking about the prophetic calendar. And those of you who are at home and you're visual, please go back and this is all over the place. You can look and look at the the actual timeline of this and actually see it. It's there on your in your Sabbath school lessons as well, I believe page 82, it gives a, a timeline there. And it's talking about, uh, it's showing the accuracy at which God's prophecy actually takes place. Some of our listeners may have some questions because, you know, the beginning of the 2300 days, we talked a little bit about that. But uh, basically, it's the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. And so... Uh, oftentimes people ask, well, how do we really know that? Well, there's there's uh, basically uh, through the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 4, there is a basically a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, and that is fulfilled in Ezra chapter 7. So the date for that, when Artaxerxes actually, this can be documented through uh, historical sources, it's pretty clear, 457 BC. So 457 years before Christ. That's when the 2300 days begins. It's also when these 70 weeks um, or 490 years, which is a part of this 2300 days or years. Okay, so so then there's some overlap, or I wouldn't say even say overlap, but we can see that the 457 BC is actually the start date of successive, mm-hmm. uh, congruent, if you will, prophecies. Mm-hmm. And, and this is one of the things that's amazing is it just matches up so beautifully because it says 69 weeks and then the last week in the middle of that week, the Messiah shall be cut off. So that's the ministry of Jesus, a seven-year period. And again, that coincides just beautifully with what we know with all of the evidence about the ministry of Jesus from approximately 27 AD to, uh, to roughly about 34 AD. Um, in the middle of that week, uh, the Messiah would be cut off. That would be when Jesus um, died on Calvary. And again, those dates just match up perfect. Yeah, it does. And also we see the, the, uh, the at the end of the seven-week prophecy is uh, 34 mm-hmm. AD. Mm-hmm. And this is where Stephen is martyred. And the gospel message is goes out to both Jews and Gentiles as well. And so once again, God's prophecy, he knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. 
Yeah, so some people point to uh, Stephen's sacrifice or his martyrdom as sort of the birth of the Christian church. And, yeah. uh, and there you have it. Yes, 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 indeed. So, Dr. Campbell, are there any final comments that you have for us today? Well, I just think once again, through this whole quarter, uh, we're reminded of God's sovereignty, that God's in control once again. Uh, and we're also reminded of God's mercy to each one of us as human beings, but especially Daniel, who's struggling with how to make sense of all of this. This had to be quite stunning to be a prophet and see these Bible prophecies and successive kingdoms, perhaps even overwhelming. But God works with human beings where they're at. Even Daniel, he's very committed, uh, but yet God is trying to help him grow in his understanding of Bible prophecy, how this will take place. And then finally, I think just it's his prayer is such a beautiful model. I'm not sure that I'm even worthy of, of, of that at all, that I, you know, God's still stretching me. Yeah, uh, same but here. But yet God, his ideals, he wants us to put ourselves corporately to identify with those around us, with our our those we work with, those that we worship with. And so instead of pointing the finger at other people, which is easy to do, but yet God wants us to self-identify, put ourselves in the shoes of others, to pray for those people. And when we can do that, I think maybe God's trying to wake us up and, and realize that instead of sometimes other people being the problem, maybe it's something deep within ourselves. And uh, when we can do that, uh, it's that that's real spiritual maturity to be able to get to that point. Yet God wants us to strive for that, to put others first before ourselves. Agreed. And you know what? Uh... I don't want us to leave here without remembering the tangible aspect of making sure you reach out to that person that you believe is marginalized in your own, in your own life or yeah. you don't get along with. Make sure you give them a call this week. Make sure you, you know, you pray for God to soften your heart so that just as how God treats us, we treat our, even our worst enemies, right? Because uh, God loves us. And we need to call to, we're called to love our enemies as well. Amen. Well, I think we've covered another week. As we Amen. put a wrap right. on this, this week's swoops, lesson, this out. is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swau.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.